Radio Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. How do, how do, my friends? I'm just trying to keep myself sort of pumped up here tonight, although I'm always pumped up to do the show, don't get me wrong, but I have my routine. I come in, I have my tea now that I've quit coffee. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, but, you know, you, you get to a certain age, uh, turned 49 recently, and, you know, it, it's, it had been eight years since I'd been to the doctor. Uh, I found that out last time. I, uh, feeling a little sluggish after Christmas, despite, uh, this new diet that I've been on and running and all of these things. I thought, geez, I should be feeling a little more energetic. And I was for a while and then it tapered off and all of a sudden I was feeling kind of sluggish. So I went to the doctor. I said, it's long time overdue. And, uh, so she's sending me, you know, for blood tests. That's just typical, normal, standard procedure. Uh, when you get to a certain age, you know, get your cholesterol checked and all these things. So, um, you've been to a blood test, you've had them done, you know, you're not supposed to eat when you go in for your blood test. And that includes tea. And, uh, so I can't have tea. I'm going in first thing tomorrow morning. And, uh, so I'm just here, uh, nursing a glass of water and, uh, missing my tea. What can I tell you? Uh, you ever wondered, now, many of you follow the program, devotees to the program, and you believe in conspiracies, obviously. I mean, I believe in many conspiracies. I don't believe everything is a conspiracy. Uh, but believing nothing is a conspiracy is, as far as I'm concerned, as ridiculous as believing that everything is a conspiracy. So, but if you, if you do believe in conspiracies, and you've, you've often run into this, people who just roll their eyes at you, they're not interested in engaging you, or if they do, you get a snide remark. They're very dismissive. And, and so I found this great website. The title of uh, the article on the website is How to Respond to an Anti-Conspiracy Theorist, brought to us by, uh, I don't know who the people are behind this, but it's called tomatobubble.com. So, the... You say something to someone like, oh, geez, I think 9-11 was an inside job or what have you. And they say, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. So here's your response. Conspiracy theorist? Now tell me the truth. Where did you hear that term? On TV? And then you're supposed to laugh. So let me get this straight. Are you saying that men in high positions of power are not capable of criminal activity and telling lies to the general public? Are you really that naive? And then again, you're supposed to uh, laugh as you say this. Then if you get this reply, I'm not saying that governments don't lie, but a conspiracy like that would have to involve hundreds of people. You can't hide something like that. Here's your response. You're absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. It is impossible to totally cover up a conspiracy so massive. That's why I know about it. What you must understand is they don't have to cover it up totally. Now, here's the part I like. I never thought of it this way. Now, even a bucket that has a few leaks can still do the job of carrying water from here to there. They only need to fool 80% of the public which isn't so hard to do when you control the major networks and newspapers, the 10 to 20% that do figure it out, and the fewer still who will dare to speak their minds about it, can be very easily marginalized with the propaganda label conspiracy theorist. The 80% never take us critical thinkers seriously because they want to be part of the majority. This is known as groupthink. 
And note, when saying conspiracy theorist, always hold your two hands up as you make sarcastic quote marks with your fingers, thanks to the uh, folks at Tomato Bubble. How to respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. And I have uh, I've posted that, along with a number of uh, interesting news stories up at the website, richardserrett.com. richardserrett.com. Do visit it. And also uh, say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. Would love to hear from you. Now, we are anxiously awaiting the arrival of Sean David Morton, who was supposed to speak with us about Area 51. And at the moment, this is live radio. He's not where he's supposed to be. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up the phone lines, Tim. And uh, f- until, David, uh, until Sean David uh, Morton joins us, we're going to do uh, some open lines. Can we do that? Open up the lines. And if you'd like to respond to this article, I'd like to find out how you respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. If you've encountered somebody who doesn't believe in them, I'm not saying they believe in some and not others, because I would put myself in that camp. I believe RFK, JFK, MLK, those are all conspiracies. I believe 9-11. Obviously, 9-11 was a conspiracy, whether or not you believe in the official version or not. The official version, which says it was perpetrated by Osama bin Laden and his minions, that's a conspiracy because it involved more than one individual. But if you've encountered someone who doesn't believe anything is a conspiracy, they've got these blinders on. I'd like to know how the conversation with them goes and how you respond to what they say. And there's some great tips here at tomatobubble.com. How to respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. Now, here's something else. This is called the ridicule trick. You'll get this from uh, from people who don't believe in conspiracies. They'll say to you, that's ridiculous, as they roll their eyes. Do you really believe that nonsense? We've all heard that, right? Here's the suggested response from the people at tomatobubble.com. So again, the person says to you, that's ridiculous. Do you really believe that nonsense as they roll their eyes? Your response, can I ask you an honest question? Then you wait for a yes. Do you consider yourself an open-minded, critical-thinking person? Yes or no? Again, you wait for a yes. Then how can you possibly ridicule an opinion when you haven't even done 10 minutes of research into the matter? That's kind of ignorant, don't you think? Then you wait for a response. Then they'll say something like, not everything that happens in the world is a conspiracy. Your response? Not everything is a conspiracy, but nor is nothing a conspiracy either. Wouldn't you agree that we should evaluate each case independently and with an open mind? You wait for a response. You might get something like this. Governments are so incompetent, they can't even deliver the mail on time or balance a budget. They couldn't possibly conspire their way out of a paper bag. I often get this one. This is probably the number one thing I get when when I talk about 9-11 or something. They'll say to me, governments are so incompetent, they can't even deliver the mail on time or balance a budget. They couldn't conspire their way out of a paper bag. Here's the suggested response from Tomato Bubble. Don't confuse your incompetent, dim-witted congressman or senator with the shadow government. The dark, covert elements who stage these events are very skilled at carrying out and concealing their plots. 
Take, for example, the Manhattan Project. Hundreds of the world's top scientists were holed up in a desert for months as they worked on the A-bomb. This conspiracy was so secretive that when FDR died and Vice President Truman became president, FDR's advisors had to inform him of the project's existence. So you see, the shadowy intelligence element of the government is very capable. So, listen, we're uh, we're just a moment away from a break here. When we come back, we'll roll the numbers, make the phone lines available to you. And I'd like to find out how your conversations with anti-conspiracy theorists go. What do they say to you? What do you say to them? And I also have uh, some more wonderful little tips here from how to respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist from... Uh, the website here, again, is tomatobubble.com, and uh, it's subtitled The Forbidden Truth About Economics and History. The other thing, I very, very quickly, before we get uh, rolling here, that I wanted to share with you is another story that I've posted. This, I, I was absolutely gobsmacked by this. This is uh, from LiveScience.com. And storm clouds, they've just discovered, storm clouds in the Earth's atmosphere are filled with microbial life. This uh, research was just published January 23rd in the journal uh, PLOS One, P-L-O-S One. That's an acronym, I believe. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, but it revealed that hailstones drawn from storm clouds harbor several species of, ac- of uh, bacteria that tend to reside on plants, as well as thousands of organic compounds normally found in soil. Some of the bacterial species can seed the tiny crystals that lead to the rain, uh, lead to rain, suggesting the bacteria actually play a role in causing rain. Absolutely astounding. All right. Why don't we get those uh, phone numbers out to you right now? Uh, 41, it's been a while since I've given these out. 416-360-0. Help me out. Oh, oh, yes, yes. 416-360-0740. Normally they're in the liners. 416-360-0740. And from out of town, toll free. 1-888- no, 877. Sorry, what is it, Tim? Just whisper in my ear. 866-740-4740. Okay, so once again, 866-740-4740. Did I get it? All right. Again, uh, we can talk about anything, uh, but we can also talk about how you respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. And let's begin with uh, Kevin, who's here in Toronto. Kevin. Hi, Richard. Hey there. How are you, my friend? Not too bad. How's it going, sir? Very well, thanks. Good, good. Um, yeah, I've been a uh, conspiracy theorist uh, for about probably six years now. And uh, before that, I was on the total opposite side of the fence. Like, no way. You know, none of this stuff is real. And, uh, you know, thanks to George Bush and uh, 9-11, uh, I'm 100% convinced that pretty much everything since the assassination of uh, President Lincoln, 
it could be open to conspiracy at the highest level of, well, mostly the American government, but I mean, our government's right in there too. So, um, I've encountered most of my family and friends. How do they respond to you? Do they, how do they respond to you? Do they roll their eyes? Do they, do they make disparaging remarks? How do they react? Well, it is, it is pretty much like that. Um, you know, you get, uh, you get the common rolling of the eyes and, uh, how is the big question. You know, most of the time, people don't take the time to look into things and actually, uh, maybe go talk to their MP about, about certain things or go talk to their friends or parents or, or you know, whoever is in their life about what they actually think about these things. So, All right, my friend, listen, i got to uh, run. got the music coming up here. So check out tomatobubble.com, or go to the website, richardsayer.com, and then uh, on the on the, uh, new, the, uh, the right side, you'll uh, scroll down and you'll see how to respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. Some great tips from tomatobubble.com. Kevin, thank you for the call. We'll take more here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Where we are asking the question, how do you respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist? You've met them. Uh, these are people who, uh, they don't, it's not that they believe some things are conspiracies and other things are not. They simply believe that nothing is a conspiracy, which again, to me, is as irrational as suggesting that everything is a conspiracy. Uh, so how do you respond to them? And how does that conversation go? Giving you some tips from uh, bubbletomato.com. Uh, and I've posted that uh, article at richardserrett.com. Uh, and the title uh, of the article is How to Respond to an Anti-Conspiracy Theorist. Uh, let's say hello to Nathan, also in Toronto. Nathan, how are you? Welcome. Hello there. How are you tonight? Very well. Oh, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I... Uh kind of a new listener, I guess. I do a lot of traveling by the city, and I always catch you when I can. Appreciate that. I must say, most people that I encounter, it's hard to find someone who's actually a complete anti-conspiracy theorist. I find there's there's certain hard facts, there's certain smoking guns about about many of these things that you just lay them in front of people, and one one of the first reactions is they're shocked that they don't know this, or they haven't heard this fact, and a lot of people are I find they just start to wake up. They're triggered to uh, look into it. I find some people have made even a complete reversal. They'll start coming to me and bringing me all these, oh, I was looking into this last night. Have you seen this? And and I find a lot of people are really open. That's uh, quite interesting, Nathan. It sounds to me like you're traveling in enlightened circles because um, here's another example of of, uh, someone that I run into. Now, they might concede that conspiracies happened, but that was a long time ago. So, for example, if you throw JFK at them, they'll say, oh, why does everyone always mention JFK? Uh, well, because that's a pretty good example of a conspiracy, sure. or RFK. But they're not willing to concede that anything that, happened, that has happened since is a conspiracy. I, I, I think, in part, uh, that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a psychological defense mechanism because people don't want to have their reality sort of deconstructed. Uh, yeah. and I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. 
I, I completely agree. They don't. Uh, those few that I have encountered who who are not open to things, they just want to keep us. I, I don't say this to put people down because it's nice when people are happy, but they just like to keep that smile on their face and they they like to pretend that it doesn't affect them. They like to say, "Oh well, well that's like 9/11. I don't live in New York or I'm not affected by that. I'm way up here." That sort of thing. And eventually, they'll just. I find they just tune you out. They'll stop listening because they. They can't face it. They can't listen to things without having their reality blown wide apart on them. A part of me can't blame them either because we're so we're under such strain and pressure. Whether you know it's dealing with just a family life and and trying to keep uh, just pay the mortgage and and get the kids to school on time, adding another not a layer. I mean, it's a crushing weight. Uh, to, to add that on top, people don't have the time or, um, to, or the coping mechanism perhaps in some cases to deal with that kind of information. So you, some, in some ways you can't blame them for just running in the opposite direction. Yeah. I almost respect that more though than I, than I, than than the people that will stand there and just shake their head and roll their eyes at you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that can be frustrating and it doesn't lead me to, to, uh, question the things i believe but it can it can sort of start that spark because you, you there are certainly intelligent people who think everything's just hunky-dory and and when they uh when they can put, try to put you in their place they really try and sometimes i have to shut up and turn the other way too <laughs> all right nathan appreciate the call thanks for uh for calling in as you travel through these parts, Ron is somewhere in central Ontario. He's being somewhat secretive of his location. I can respect that. Ron, welcome. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, mine is uh, a, a little long story, but uh, I'm uh, phoning about UFOs. All right. You've recently had um, a, a sighting? At any given night when it's really nice and clear... I can count at least 6 to 26 stars, which aren't stars, that are moving. They move in there very, very slightly sometimes, sometimes very obviously. I at one point seen one that was two and a half miles across leaving the Earth. And my, Sorry, uh, Ron, if I could just interject. How were you able to ascertain the length of this particular uh, object? Well, the light went down from one. We we have our concessions out here, and they're divided in two and a half miles. Right. The light went down one side and met uh, the road on one end, and it met the road on the other end. So therefore, across, it must have been two and a half miles. And, and how uh, how close to to you were? Uh, I was uh, I was a concession away from it. I was two and a half miles away from it. Was it low to the ground? Was it up in the air? It was lifting up from the ground. Uh, I I at first really thought it was the moon. Then I looked and I no, the moon doesn't come up in the west. And then I, I pulled my car over, and uh, I watched it as it came up, and it was really, really bright, really bright. And then I saw an orange part coming up, and I said, oh, no, first strike. I'm going to be crispy crunch here in a little while. Hmm. And as it went up further, 
the orangey part, the middle, which was streaky, it, uh, it filled out into a circle. Now, I have a cousin who has a daughter-in-law who took a picture of it. And she took it with a high-definition um, camera that she just got, and she took the picture in, and she put it into her computer, and she wiped away a lot of the orange. And in the middle was a very small, uh, i, I got to say flying saucer, but it was deep rather than long. So the light was the the light extended from one concession to the other, but the actual craft in the middle of that light was comparative it, it was, was relatively small. Behind that the orange. And on the top of it was it actually looks like a kid's toy. And on the top of it was a was a clear dome. Now, before this all happened, I uh, had an incident at my house where I took a laser pointer out on a Friday night and I pointed it at a what I would suspect to be a flying saucer up there and I and I did an SOS then I did a one one two one two three to show them that I was intelligent and the following night I went outside because I have not I've got no running water, so I was going to go to the bathroom, and I was working nights, so I was just laid off, and I was accustomed to going to the bathroom in the evenings, nights. And over top of my house were three, um, I don't know whether you know uh, what an old iron looked like, where you heat it up on a stove. Yes, yes, I had one of those, uh, okay, my, my parents had one of those. things were going in a triangular motion. And I could see, without any light on, that on the back end, the flat end, there was a blue and a green light, and in the middle there was a large, clear, and on the front there was a red. Hmm. But they weren't illuminating. So I went out, and I got into the light, and I tried to motion them down. And they, they just ignored me and kept on going and going and going. So finally, I just went in and went to bed. Ron, how how uh, how many craft have you seen over the years? I mean, is this a recent uh, hobby of yours? Well, I have seen exactly probably, well, let me see now, probably seven different types. Seven different types. And, and this lately, one, that the, the, the light was about a concession wide, two and a half miles wide. And, and you're... you're lately. And, and someone took a picture of it. Uh, I wished I had a camera. No, I really you, wished. Yeah, but you said you took a. Someone took a picture of this one you craft. Can't get a picture with a with a, with a, uh, a telephone uh, camera on that. They, they were they were just a blur blur from one point to the other. And if one was out of sync just a little bit, there would have been a crash. And I would say six weeks ago was the first time I saw a actual flying saucer. Now, this thing was darkened, and its lights had lights around the outside of it, the rim. And they kept on going around and around and around, and it, and it just seemed like it couldn't stay still. It was up and down a little bit and back and forth a little bit. Ron, let me jump in here, uh, because sure. uh, I've got to move on here in a, in a moment, and I appreciate the call. But most, uh, the vast majority of, this, of us will go an entire lifetime without seeing anything. And here you have seen numerous craft or UFOs. So Is, much, do you sir. think there's something about you 
Is that what is it about you? Why do you get to see so many, and the rest of us? Uh, I think good thoughts of them. You think good and thoughts? And I do of believe that they tune into your thoughts. Interesting. Interesting. And um, listen, the picture that was it your cousin took of this this huge light, this huge craft. Was it your cousin took that picture? Uh, what she? Uh, I would love to see it. I mean, I don't know if she oh, has it on JPEG. She lost it in her computer, but I told her. I said, "You take it to a computer shop, and I would imagine they could pull it out of there." I'm sure they could. Everything that goes into there is on a hard drive. Exactly. Well, you see, curse those JPEGs, right? We're, uh, all our memories, all our records are now on JPEGs. We don't have the old uh, snap uh, snapshots anymore in the shoebox. But if she can find that JPEG. Uh, you could send it to me. I would love to see it. And uh, you can contact me through the website. Ron in Central Ontario, thank you very much for that call. And we have an anonymous now calling from uh, somewhere in the United States. That's about as uh, as vague and anonymous as you can get. All right, anonymous, welcome. How are you? Yeah, hey, Rich. How are you doing? You can call me John. John. John's easier than saying anonymous. John is much uh, friendlier than but anonymous. I, I, yeah, really. I just wanted to ask, answer your question about how do you deal with the anti-conspiracy conspira- conspiracy people? Right, right. And I agree pretty much with the, the way you think, and that's that, you know, you don't you don't get into a thing with them because why cause yourself a headache? I also agree with the caller before the last one that more and more people seem to be opening up. I wait for them. In other words, I don't I don't as they say cast your pearls at swine. Right. You know, I wait for somebody who's like minded to come around and if they do, I'll discuss certain things. But most of the stuff, you know, they would think you were from another planet if you started telling them half the things. They can, like you said, they can buy into Kennedy and stuff like that. But if you tell them anything about, I'm not saying there was a conspiracy around 9/11, but it was questionable. Why do I say that? Because I live in the area. I lived within a quarter mile of the buildings, and I was down there. Right, right. And Building Seven was brought down deliberately. Certainly looked that way. I, I mean, know, I, I, about a, and I thought everybody bought it that way. I really thought everybody, you know, knew that. About a year later, they started talking as though Building Seven fell, and it didn't. The structural integrity of the building was in question, and the fire department, somebody from the fire department and the explosive unit of the National Guard, they actually did, and it went on, it went out over the radio, so people heard it. But, he, you know, I didn't give it a second thought. I never thought any, and I listened to one of these shows. It was either Coast to Coast or one of them like that. And they, they had this guy, and they were talking about it. And I called and I said, what are you talking about? Building 7 was brought down deliberately. It wasn't part of the whole thing with 9-11. They said, no, it was. And when I told them what I had just told you, they told me, they started saying to me, oh, no, 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 you're thinking some sort of conspiracy and stuff. You know, it it just it doesn't really pay to try and tell somebody who's got a mindset in a certain way because it rocks their world too heavily. Yes, uh, you're right. It's it's not that everything is a conspiracy, but if you merely even point out inconsistencies in the official narrative, oh yeah, yeah, that will get people's back up as well. I mean, people ask me, "Did you get a flu shot?" You know, and I don't get a flu shot because I don't get sick. But I don't believe in the flu shots. But I'll be damned if I'm going to tell somebody what I really feel the flu shots are all about, because they would never buy it. They would never buy it in a million years. I mean, a normal person, I remember what it was like to be um, not thinking along these lines. 
And if somebody had told me what I now believe, half of what I now believe, I would have thought they were crazy. Yeah, it's um, it's a rude awakening uh, when you start going down this path. And I find myself even uh, at times wishing I could go back, back in time before someone first presented me with a copy of Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope. Before I read that, mm-hmm. I guess I was... I don't want to say naive because that makes, you know, the rest that don't buy into this, that's kind of, a, it sounds disparaging. I don't mean it to be that way. But I wish, yeah, then, sometimes I wish I could go back to those, the days when, when I believed everything was sweetness and light and, uh, I probably s- slept a lot better and I worried yeah, you, a lot less. You can't let it get to you, you know, like when you're a kid, you know, Santa Claus is real and it's magical. It's magical for a child. Right. If you would take that child, say, seven or eight years old, and tell them, hey, listen, kid, they're lying to you. It's, there's no such thing as Santa Claus. You're really your mommy and daddy, they're lying to you, and they're putting things under the, under the tree. You would, you would be committing a crime that you'd have to pay for. That, 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 that's a horrible thing to do. Yeah. And much the same way, if you rock somebody's world by uh, telling them what you suspect, because you can't really know, but you have suspicions, um, it... It's like that Tom Cruise and uh, what's his name thing in the Marines. You know, you can't handle the truth. You know? Right. Listen, John, I, I really appreciate the call. I hope you'll call again. Enjoy our conversation. We'll uh, get to more great conversations when the conspiracy show comes back in a moment. How do you respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist? Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome, friends. It's a a very rare evening of open lines here on The Conspiracy Show. We don't do this very often. We don't do it enough. And uh, so it's good to actually uh, just keep it between you, me, and the telephone, enjoying our our conversations with with you tonight. And uh, this all got started... um, with a story I found online at tomatobubble.com, I posted it on my website at richardserrett.com, and it's entitled, How to Respond to an Anti-Conspiracy Theorist. And so I've been asking you, all of those of you who subscribe to certain conspiracies, how you react or how do you, uh, how do you respond when you're confronted by someone who believes that absolutely nothing is a conspiracy? They won't have it. They don't even like it when you start raising uncomfortable questions about certain things. And so there's some great tips here. Um, Here's one. They call this the unresolved detail trick. You've probably encountered this. You're you're talking to someone, again, maybe it's about 9-11, or maybe it's about the Martin Luther King assassination, or what have you. And they'll, this is the unresolved detail trick. They'll say, well... If this is a conspiracy, then explain to me how they managed to do X, Y, and Z or Z. So you respond because, you know, that can, that can flummox you. That can say, well, geez, I never thought of that. So the response is, I don't have every missing piece of the puzzle, but I have enough pieces to know that the government media versions is false. Imagine if I gave you a 100 piece jigsaw puzzle and told you that the image is of a beach in Hawaii. But after snapping 30 pieces together, you notice polar bears, snow-capped mountains, and men covered in furs. 
So, although there's still more than 70 pieces missing, you already have enough to know that the image is not that of a beach in Hawaii. So it's the same with solving conspiracies. I may not have all of the details, but I have laid out enough pieces to know that the official story is a lie. Does that make sense to you? And then you wait for a response. I think that's brilliant. Now, I've answered, or I've, again, being in a discussion with someone who is an anti-conspiracy theorist and been confronted with that, well, tell me then how they did this, this, and this. I've, I, I wish I had that tip in front of me. What I've often said is, well, we don't have all the answers, but we have enough questions that I think this, you know, demands further inquiry. But the idea of having a 100-piece jigsaw puzzle and saying, I've got 30 pieces, and these 30 pieces are already pointing to a completely different picture. I don't need to know the other 70 picture, uh, pieces. That's a great response. Thanks, tomatobubble.com. All right. Uh, here's another great tip. This is called the, um, oh, uh, the isolated piece of evidence trick. So they'll say something like, other than citing some historical events, you still haven't shown me uh, one piece of evidence that this was a conspiracy. Tell me just one thing that proves a conspiracy. The response is, that's a trick question. Because if I tell you just one thing, you'll just climb on your high horse and dismiss it as a coincidence. What I want to show you is 20 things. But you're too closed-minded to consider the case in its totality. You won't even watch a YouTube video, let alone read the case. I sure hope you never get selected to serve on a jury. You want everything boiled down to a simplistic media soundbite. Unless you will commit to a few hours of study, I'm wasting my time with you. Why are you so afraid to study this? 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. Would love to know how you respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. That's just one thing on uh, the burner tonight. If there's anything else that you'd like to discuss, open lines till the top of the hour. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, coming to you live from Toronto the Good in Canada. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Welcome back. How do you respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist? If you've encountered one, I think we all have. Um, And the thing that um, you have to be careful about is... Because there can be a lot of vitriol and animosity if you're not careful. Because some of your friends and your family members may not subscribe to your particular worldview. So, I mean, I know we're all individuals and you, you know, I can't tell you how to handle a situation. But for me, I just, I, I'm very careful about being um, sarcastic with people or being snide, even if I get that in return. Not from family and friends, of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I wouldn't associate with them. Uh, you've got to jettison, you know, that that negative energy. But uh, colleagues, certainly, particularly in the media, you get a lot of this. Uh, I face a lot of this over the year, over the years. Believe me. Uh, so, but you don't want to be sanctimonious. You don't want to be snide. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to be hostile. Uh, 
you just have to be calm and lay out, you know, the, uh, the questions, the inconsistencies in the official version of events and, and put those at their feet and see what they do with them. And if they still don't engage, I guess, then fine. You walk away with a smile on your face. Uh, because ultimately you're not going to change their mind. Perhaps you shouldn't even try. But that doesn't mean that you should, uh, you know, totally disengage from the world if you have, if you happen to be surrounded by, uh, anti-conspiracy theorists. A lot of people have trouble, obviously, with the word conspiracy, and I understand why. I'll give you an example. Uh, this se- season on the television show, uh, I'm producing an episode on, uh, fluoride. Fluoridation of, uh, of public water supplies. Good idea, bad idea, is it safe, is it effective? And I was, I was trying to get some anti-fluoride activists on the program and I had a heck of a time and they, and they, the reason they didn't want to come on, I finally convinced, I convinced one, uh, or several, but this one in particular was very nervous about coming on The Conspiracy Show to talk about why he feels fluoride is neither safe nor effective. And he said, you have to understand, the moment they, they, the, the proponents of fluoride, see me on a show called The Conspiracy Show, they think they've won because they've, they've, they've used that word in the pejorative, conspiracy, to ostracize, to marginalize people they disagree with. And I have to admit that's true. So all they need to see is, oh, there's that loony, Professor Paul Conant, talking about how fluoride isn't safe or effective. And look, he's on the conspiracy show. Well, I think we've proven our point, haven't we? They're all a bunch of tin foil hat wearing lunatics. So what I said to Professor Conant, and I say this to other people, is I'm here to take the word conspiracy back. It's not a theory in every case. And as uh, as Jim Mars has pointed out, a conspiracy is in many instances a crime. And not that I consider myself to be a journalist, but certainly journalists should be all about investigating crimes or the possibility they should be, they should, should be very interested in, in investigating whether a crime may have been committed. That to me is what conspiracy is all about. Because every year in the courts throughout North America, tens of thousands of criminal conspiracy charges are laid. So conspiracies are real. You cannot get around it. They are committed by corporations. When corporations uh, uh, are accused of collusion or tampering with the labor market or price fixing uh, or some sort of, um, you know, fraud. Obviously, a lot of what went down on Wall Street with the subprime loan, loan scandal, you know, People uh, at a bank got together. More than one person knew about it. That's a conspiracy. If more than one person is involved, that is a conspiracy. Obviously, though, on this show, we're talking about things that are much broader in scope or tend to be. Uh, but we shouldn't back away from this word conspiracy. I know those who call themselves skeptics but are really debunkers uh, like to use the word as a battering ram. Or as a, as a way of ending discussion or stifling healthy discussion. Oh, that's just a conspiracy. We don't talk about conspiracies. I even talked about people in the newspaper business 
And they admitted to me that we have a bias against conspiracies. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? Does that mean that if Watergate happened today, you wouldn't cover it? Probably not. Think about that. So think about all the things that may be going on that newspapers simply will not even investigate because somehow the word conspiracy is attached to it. And so they're afraid of it or they just have a bias against it. That's very troubling to me. And it should be troubling to you as well. Uh, because the fourth estate is supposed to sort of be the last line of defense, right? To protect our, our, our liberties. Maybe the first line of defense. They're supposed to act as the opposition, the official opposition. And question everything. Everything. Oh, that's just a conspiracy. I heard, you. I saw that line, that was on, 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 the, on a website. So that disqualifies it from further investigation. And I saw this, well, we've seen this numerous times since 9-11. We saw this in May of 2010. After the supposed execution of Osama bin Laden. No pictures, no video, no eyewitness testimony, no names, nothing. No body, (laughs) no body, no DNA evidence. And nobody stood up at the White House press uh, gallery or anywhere else as far as I know in the sort of the mainstream news and asked very basic questions. How do we know? And I understand that there's always some rallying around the flag. And I know that after 9-11, there was a lot of rallying around the flag. And newspapers and editors, they do the same thing. So they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to be prepared to ask a lot of those probing, uncomfortable questions in the immediate aftermath. Because the first thing they feel compelled to do is to report the human stories the victims, the heroes, these sorts of things. But in the aftermath, they don't follow up on the most obvious questions. They don't pull on those loose threads. And if they pull on a loose thread and it leads nowhere, so be it, fine. At least you you did your job and you pulled on a loose thread. So then you move on to the next loose thread. But you don't say, well, we pulled on one loose thread, it didn't go anywhere, so we gave up. Or we, we just realized that um, it was a conspiracy theory. And then the mainstream media, the mainstream news, wonders why there is this growing conspiracy community, they call it. It's not a community. They're just critical thinking individuals who don't buy what I call the cartoon narrative that's spoon-fed us every night on the news. had John Rappaport on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about TV network news as brainwashing, and he touched on this a little bit. And from time to time, I'm asked to come on as a commentator on mainstream news, Canada AM up here in Canada or some of the other TV shows. And they have me on because I'm some sort of a curious artifact. Oh, he's one of those conspiracy people. Some of the, some of the, 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 the TV personalities that have me on are genuinely interested, but most have me on and 
they're waiting for that sort of gotcha moment. Ah, look, we've got a conspiracy theorist. Let's see if we can catch him. Let's see if we can make him look foolish. Or we'll give him enough rope and let him hang himself. But they always ask me, why are there so many of you out there? Why is this growing? And my answer is because people like you are not doing your job. You're not doing your job. You're not asking questions. You're not being a journalist. You're simply republishing press releases from corporations and government agencies. You're not checking sources. You go to the same sources. You're delivering what amounts to a cartoon narrative of the world around us and people simply don't buy it anymore. So where do they go? They vote with their feet. They're leaving network news. They're leaving the newspapers. They're finding their answers elsewhere. Independent researchers and investigators and people who used to maybe toil in the mainstream news. And they quit. They quit because they were so frustrated. They weren't allowed to tell the stories they wanted to tell. That's John Rappaport's story. He used to work in the mainstream. Finally, he said, the fix is in. They're not in the truth business. So these people, they dedicate their, they'll dedicate 10 years and they'll write a book about it. That's where the information is. That's where the truth is, I find, or a closer approximation to the truth than you'll get with these 24-hour news cycles. And many online publications are doing a much better job. So listen, thank you for your voices tonight. How to respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. I'll leave you with a few more tips. You're looking at someone and they'll say to you, this is crazy, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. A suggested response is, you don't believe it or you don't want to believe it. There's a big difference between the two. The human mind is filled with uh, with complexes, one of which is the desire to shield itself from unpleasant truths. You're afraid that if you look into this, you might see that it's true. And you're especially afraid that if you come uh, come to agree with me, you too will then become marginalized as a conspiracy theorist. It is fear that is causing you to close your mind and act like a sheep. Conspiracy theories appeal to uneducated people because they provide simplistic answers to complex events. I get this a lot. You'll have a lot of, you know, psychologists that'll weigh in. They're asked to comment on the conspiracy genre. And notice, they'll never actually address the questions or the argument. They'll never, they'll never discuss it on the merits of the argument. They'll talk in vague terms about the sociological aspects of conspiracy culture. And they'll say things like, conspiracy theories appeal to people because they provide simplistic answers to a complex world. The response, and this is bang on, I've said this myself, it's exactly the opposite. The evaluation of conspiracy theories do not only requires much time and study, but also applied logic and critical thinking. It's intellectually lazy people like you who choose to swallow and parrot whatever simplistic narrative that the TV feeds you. Do you ever question anything that the TV feeds you? You wait for a response. Conspiracy theories appeal to people because they're comforting. Have you had that one before? 
response. Exactly the opposite is true. It is far more comforting to believe that certain tragic events happen exactly as the TV says than to believe in monstrous internal plots beyond our control. Do you actually think that I enjoy believing that such evil exists? You think I like being ridiculed by simple-minded family members and friends? Take it from me. The life of a conspiracy theorist can actually be quite stressful at times. So there you go. Tomatobubble.com, how to respond to an anti-conspiracy theorist. Now, I would not use some of the language that they use in here. I would never refer to uh, family members or friends as simple-minded, because my friends and family are not simple-minded. I would never even say simple-minded to a colleague to his face. (laughs) That's just not nice. And I believe in being nice. Hope you'll continue to uh, follow the program. Sign up for the podcast at iTunes. Follow the show at richardserrett.com. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And of course, tune in live. Glamour Magazine calls BB Cream one of the 10 beauty products every woman should own. But here's a little secret. All BB Creams are not created equal. If you're a woman between 30 and 60, Hydroxetone's BB Cream is one of the most powerful anti-aging BB Creams on the market. We don't just hide your wrinkles, we actually fight them. And to prove it, during the next 24 hours, we're letting as many people as possible try it. So call immediately to be one of them. 1-800-921-3929. Hydroxetone Anti-Aging BB Cream is the skin-perfecting, beauty-protecting, all-in-one wonder that looks like makeup but acts like skincare. From a leader in anti-aging, it doesn't just make you look 10 years younger. It also gives you a flawlessly gorgeous complexion. So looking younger has never been more beautiful. Now you can try it if you're one of the first callers right now. Hydroxetone Anti-Aging BB Cream is now available at Ulta stores. But for this special radio offer, call 1-800-921-3929. 1-800-921-3929.